75% of your time every week should be spent on your day job, right? Your this is what your employer, what your, you know, MBO plan, whatever this, you know, objective is, that's 75% of it. And 25% of your time should be spent being curious and learning and developing yourself and pursuing these, you know, side projects, pursuing new knowledge, something that yes, it's still part of your hours allotment that you're working in the week that you could argue is helping you get better at your job, but it's causing you to be curious and learn and intentionally spend time maybe outside of your regular lanes doing something interesting. And I think that intentionality on pursuing it is good because if you do the thing, which is pick something that's tangential to your work, you will inadvertently get better at your job. You will become a more interesting resource on your team. You will have better conversations, you know, in your job, but maybe at dinner. Like you, you'll just get more experiences that I think are crucial. Corey Minton, field CTO at Splunk, discusses his leadership philosophy, his work with Formula One racing data analytics, and why everyone should have a side project. Hello, everyone. My name is Rob Osell, filling in for Tracy Lee for another episode in our series about engineering leadership. Today, I'm here with Corey Minton, the field CTO for the Americas at Splunk, also known as Big Data Beard. Corey, how are you doing today? Pretty fantastic. Glad to be here. Yeah, so excited to talk to you. Um, as we start out on these, we love to give people a chance to introduce themselves. Could you kind of let us know a little bit about your journey and how you arrive mm -hmm. at being the field CTO at Splunk? Because it occurs to me that you've had quite a, a varied set of experiences on your way there. Yeah, so field CTO here at Splunk means that I get uh, to do two really cool things. Um, one is uh, I spend a lot of time with uh, Splunk's largest, most important customers and customers trying to solve some of the most interesting challenges in cybersecurity, IT operations and observability, which is really fun. And then I also get to spend a lot of time in research and publication um, talking about what the, is happening in the industry and hopefully shaping it uh, in some ways for the better. Um, but yeah, my journey was maybe not a traditional one. I actually, I really warred against the idea of going into IT kind of roles. My family owned a a consulting company in IT when I was young. My dad was a programmer in the, you know, the 70s and 80s, back when programming was actually punch cards and bugs were actual physical bugs on paper cards. Um, but yeah, in college, I warred against that. I wanted to go more of this industrial route, really went towards industrial engineering and went into that industry and and had a good time. But I think the, the family business came calling and ended up stumbling back into a more uh, IT sort of role, really enjoyed it. And actually, moved out of a, a more traditional engineering and you know technical role into sales, uh, partially because, um, well, money. <laughs> so sales people were paid slightly That's always something. <laughs> low, low level you know, manufacturing engineers. Uh, and so, yeah, I, I realized that there was a lot of fun to be had in information technology, and, and it was a, a space that I had a lot to learn about. There was um, clearly a lot of evolution over the last you know, 20 years I've been in the industry that's been fun to be part of. Uh, but I, I followed a pursuit of uh, ended up going down the path of getting an MBA because the folks I was talking to were senior leaders, C-level COOs, CIOs that were making decisions about technology that would affect the business. And realizing as an engineer, I didn't really understand all that much about things like strategic finance that uh, probably would be useful to understand. And so I went that path and then realized that um, there's a place for people who are both technologists, but also uh, business savvy in, in the tech world to help leaders solve problems and help um, engage with senior leadership to help explain technology to align strategies. And 
that's allowed me to go down the path of leading some very large teams globally uh, from engineering perspective, IT sort of practitioners to uh, you know, go to market teams. And now as field CTO, I get to lead by a lot of influence and uh, pursue things that make me excited. That's wonderful. Yeah, I, I I wonder if there would be a way to get statistics on the amount of uh, successful leaders who started out their careers by swearing they weren't going to go <laughs> into the business that they ultimately ended up going into. I know that is certainly my wife and come from a long family of lawyers and swore she would never be a lawyer. And now she's a uh, quite a successful lawyer herself. So <laughs> yeah, I think I think there's some there's some things that are you know, born to us, you know, there's things that we're like, I feel like there's, you know, there's, there's different views of leadership, right? There's the leaders are born, not made. And then there's, you know, leaders can be trained. It's a set of skills and experiences. And I'm like most things, I'm somewhere in the middle of that belief. I think, I think that I have some things that just natural curiosities that my family had also that draws me uh, into this space. Um, and I think that there's some things that just because of the experiences I've had, continue to make it interesting and fun for me because I, I'm learning more and more I've, you know, with a diverse set of experiences, hopefully comes a perspective that, you know, at least I, I have this, that I realize I don't know very much about anything. There's a lot I don't know about. And so it's caused me to be continuously curious. And I think technology is one of those places where it's just, it's evolving so fast that if you're a curious person that enjoys learning and trying new things and being challenged, that it has an unending set of opportunities for you to do exactly that. Yeah. Well, speaking of sort of finding things that are interesting to us and, mm -hmm. and engaging in that, I, I was wondering if you could explain a little bit about, you know, you talked a bit about your role at Splunk and, and that you get to work with amazing customers and, 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 and products of that nature. But could you mm -hmm. walk into a little bit more about kind of your current role, like what your portfolio, what your kind of who your relationships yeah. are there and kind of how that came to be, like how you ended up with uh, some of the customers you have now? You mean this like this super cool jacket? Yeah, no. It's, yeah, for the people uh, that are watching this right now, you may have noticed the product placement here. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, yeah. So I, my role is covering the Americas. So we've got a, a variety of customers, 90 plus of the Fortune 100 customers um, or companies are customers of Splunks. And so I get to work with a lot of them. Generally, the problems that I get brought in to help solve or the strategies to talk about are really in the world of artificial intelligence and sort of data management at scale, some of those challenges organizations are facing. And just based on my experiences and things that I've you know, pursued from a technology perspective over the last 15 years, um, hopefully give me some expertise in that area. I've solved some some pretty large scale problems. But the one that I think I'm, I'm probably most passionate about because it's, it's super fun and it's really cool is uh, I, I get to lead a lot of the technical uh, relationship that Splunk has with McLaren. And so for those that don't know, Splunk is a, one of the sponsors of McLaren's Formula One team. They also sponsor their uh, their esports team. Yes, there are people that make a living playing video games for a living. So if we've, as parents, if we've told our kids that they can't, we've lied to them. Um, there's also <laughs> people that, that make a living watching other people play video games. They're called strategists. And uh, so over the last couple of years, I've been working with a team of folks around the world that help support McLaren's pursuit of winning races in every category by using data and technology to uh, build competitive advantage. So I've actually helped the McLaren, specifically the esports team this last year. Uh, our team has built uh, a number of in-race analytics where we're actually pulling data from the simulators <clears throat> in real time and giving them insights to help set strategy for how they're going to compete in the race. And it's it's really, really fun to talk about racing versus uh, firewall logs. <laughs> Yeah, absolutely. Well, and you were saying a little bit before we started too that 
you know, well, I think this might just be innately interesting to people as a topic that there was sort of this sort of serendipitous uh, connection as well to some of the stuff that you were doing um, with your podcast that sort of made this sort of a dual synergy. So I was wondering if you'd kind of go into that a little bit more as well. For sure. Yeah. So we, the Big Data Beard podcast was a, a team of folks that we, you know, we still are together. We're releasing podcasts here and there. But one of the things that we did is we we like to do interesting, fun, event-based projects where we would, you know, go do something in real life that would, we try to use technology to, to activate it, to bring life to it. Um, one of the projects we did is we took an RV, outfitted it with a bunch of IoT sensors, drove it across the country, showed a bunch of data analytics about the worst roads in America, and we did podcasts in different places, and then showcased nice. how you could instrument, you know, sort of large scale um, IoT edge devices at, uh, on the road. Well, then in 2019, McLaren uh, or Splunk signed a, a sponsorship agreement with McLaren, and uh, in 2020 we had this pandemic. Well. A bunch of us were, you know, into racing already. We had uh, looked at simulators. We thought, well, now's the best time to get into this because we're at home and we have nothing else to do. So we decided to start uh, using the data from simulators to um, showcase the interesting things you can do with Splunk. And we did that because, one, I, I always like to have a side project. I think side projects for technologists are uh, super important for learning and curiosity and development. And this one is one that was easy to pick because it's like Splunk was sponsoring McLaren. We wanted to make it more than just about, you know, product placement on the side of a car. How do you actually activate Splunk's brand identity in context of McLaren? So it became a really easy side hustle project for me to me to pursue, but also to invite others, uh, other technologists to really pursue it and uh, bring it to life. And it's been super fun because we've, you know, we've had probably 10 plus engineers around the country indirect uh, kind of relationship with McLaren in, in various ways, doing really interesting work of bringing, you know, insights to data from sim racing that no other team had figured out. So I think that's, it's pretty fun. I, I think a side hustle kind of like that, those side projects, those passion projects are super important, not only for leaders to have that you get to bring people into, but it's also important for, you know, technologists to have that pursuit that keeps them interested and engaged in, and learning. You know, and especially, you know, those you were talking about those IoT sensors, if there's any technologists listening to this, and you haven't messed around with IoT sensors, trust me, you should just get into it. They're not as intimidating as they may sound, and they can do uh, so many things that you don't mm -hmm. expect. I worked with a team that did IoT sensors in a foosball table, and we built like a live scoring system and like mm -hmm. metrics, and it would play entrance music when you scanned in and all these things. <laughs> it, it was a fun little side gig for people to, to learn a bunch of technologies, exactly as you said. Yeah, actually, I think that's one of the areas I always look for um, where I think interesting things happen in tech is when uh, two sort of macro themes coalesce. So what you just mentioned there, IoT, that's one sort of macro sort of concept, which is I can push microcomputing out to an edge that it can be connected via you know 5G, right? That's another one of those connected things that help make, make, make it interesting. But then you talked about automation. And I think that's where I, IoT and automation, when those two get together, wow, like really cool things can happen. Those are transformative technologies. I think if you look at you know, today's landscape, people are thinking AI and automation, like how do I take this, mm. this automated knowledge, this knowledge creation, this generative function and cause it to go do something for me through automation, You know, whether it's robotic process automation or software-based scripting, whatever you want to call it. I think that's where sort of magic starts to happen is, is those confluence points of technology.
Wonderful. All right. Well, we have more of this conversation, but quickly we want to give thanks to our sponsor today, This.Labs. This.Labs is a development consultancy that specializes in application development and upgrading legacy systems. They've been trusted by companies like PlayStation, Capital One, Herman Miller, PayPal, and T-Mobile. Facing challenges with legacy systems and need to modernize, This.Labs has experience in enterprise migrations and upgrades, providing a detailed roadmap for modernizing your software solutions. Their engineering leaders are industry veterans with a deep understanding of modern technologies and best practices. Learn more about how This.Labs can help you achieve your tech goals at this.co. That's T-H-I-S-D-O-T dot C-O. And of course, thank you to the team for allowing me to have conversations like this. Now, let's return to our show. All right, Corey, so before we left, we were sort of introducing this idea of passion and, and, and the power that it has, you know, for people like ourselves as individuals of combining our, our passions, maybe outside of work with our passions at work. But I'm kind of curious as a leader, you know, how are you looking to activate your team or your, you know, your team members with this vision? You know, is it, how do you get them to, I guess, get caught up in the passion mm -hmm. or to create this alignment or this connection between the, their sets of passions. Yeah. And I, I think it's one, it's intentionality. I think you, you don't stumble into um, exciting sort of side project things. I think you do it through being intentional about uh, your curiosities and what motivates you. And I think one of the things as a leader, what I, what I try to do is always encourage people to one, identify and be interested. You need to have one of these sort of side things to get you interested. If not, then I kind of question, are you the right kind of you know, sort of technologist resource that I really want to be high performing on my team. And I say, one of the things I coach is find those areas of your interests that at least have some marginal overlap with what your, your job function is or the company, the employment, your, your employer, what their mission and brand and vision is in the world. And so uh, a case in point example is like this McLaren thing, right? It's not hard for like, I'm a, gearhead, petrol head, if you're listening in the UK, you know, into cars, have always been in the cars, love driving cars fast, breaking things, finding out, <laughs> you know, what the, the limits of a car are, are. But I work in technology and I work for a company that's a data platform. And so it wasn't hard to make the connection between, wouldn't it be cool if I could figure out a way to get data about racing and cars into Splunk and start to surface some insights that would be interesting. And it, and it parlayed itself into this thing where we, you know, have a working relationship with McLaren, but I think being intentional and thoughtful about where you spend your side hustle time is good. And you want that time to be something that you could argue pretty well in a review with your leadership team that it made you better at your day job. I think that's one of the fundamental things that you have to remember is that, you know, we still have to be good at our, you know, our craft or the thing that the employers pay us for. But the things that we do out of passion should help us move those forward. And I actually worked for a, a leader years ago, a guy named Chad Sackatch was a pre-sales leader at EMC. And he had this, this manifesto, the pre-sales manifesto. And one of the key functions of it was 75% of your time every week should be spent on your day job, right? Your, this is what your employer, what your you know, MBO plan, whatever this you know, objective is, that's 75% of it. And 25% of your time should be spent being curious and learning and developing yourself and pursuing these you know side projects pursuing new knowledge something that yes it's still part of your hours allotment that you're working in the week that you could argue is helping you get better at your job but it's causing you to be curious and learn 
and intentionally spend time maybe outside of your regular lanes doing something interesting. And I think that intentionality on pursuing it is good because if you do the thing, which is pick something that's tangential to your work, you will inadvertently get better at your job. You will become a more interesting resource on your team. You will have better conversations, you know, in your job, but maybe at dinner, like you'll just get more experiences that I think are crucial. Yeah. And what I really like about that is that the advice is counterintuitive to an extent, this idea that, wait, I don't want to give up a portion of the effectiveness of my team to curiosity, which is hard to define, you know, or they might seek to give them this, this curiosity time, but then structure it in some way. But mm -hmm. I could understand that the value add maybe here is that you have these teammates that if you only have them doing and training in the direction that you expect, they're only going to be effective in scenarios you can foresee. And that there's mm -hmm. this value that if people are allowed to maybe explore a little bit, suddenly the team is becoming more capable uh, in, a, in a way that is also enjoyable for the people gaining this knowledge um, mm -hmm. when that unexpected situation comes up. And all of a sudden, the, the team is at a moment of, of either crisis or of, of important decision. And the team is suddenly says, oh, I have, I've, I've, I've learned about this, or I practiced this, mm -hmm. or I've explored this situation. And those teams are going to certainly maybe outperform teams in un unexpected situations. Would you yeah. agree with something like that? I, I would agree with that. I actually think that one of the things that's, you know, good to remember is that we're, this is a human business, like <laughs> leading people working together to solve problems. If you're in technology, you're in law, you're in academics, it doesn't matter. We're, we're humans. And there's certain things that I think humans just don't really do well with. And there's some things that I, I think, at least in my experience, is that it helps people become their best self. One is like, we don't do good work on the long term if we're constantly under pressure. People need to have these this ebb and flow of like, I'm in a sprint and not the agile sprint. Don't don't get me started on that. But like I'm in this like high, high production, high performance, high expectation time period. But I can't I can't sustain that for 50 weeks a year, right? I have to have these lulls where, and I've been very intentional about this on my teams. Is like, look, there are going to be times when I say 75% of your week needs to be spent on your day job. That might be more than 40 hours. There's a good chance that that's 50 or 60. But then later in the year and in per, per certain seasons, there should be times where it's like, I don't really want to see you. You don't need to take vacation, but like go step away from the office for some number of days, be available if I need you, but like take a breath. Like we humans just do not do well if we're constantly under pressure. And there's a lot of, um, you know, development methodologies that have adopted this, this idea that I think are just healthy that we remember these are, these are humans. And I think like, any human, I think we're, we're always ideally curious. And so if you don't intentionally give people a space to pursue curiosities and create an, an openness and a welcoming attitude to people who are curious or trying to learn things, then you really create these automatons that aren't useful to you over the long term. And people, you know, it's, it's people business. They may leave your team, but they ideally stick with your company and go on to do great things. They're not going to be that way if they're, you know, feeling under pressure at all times and been put through the grinder. It's just not a real thing. Yeah, and it's funny that like this is advice that is extremely well known in athletics and mm -hmm. sort of professional training, right? There's 
bulk cycles and cutting cycles. There is the idea of you know your race days and your you know your pace days and your push days. Like yeah. this is known all over the place that your body and certainly your mind needs this texture to it, um, mm -hmm. this varied experience, both to develop different parts of your experience. Right, you need to be able to know you can deliver in a high pressure situation if you need to, but at the same yeah. time, you also need to show that you can grow and set foundations in a calmer time and, and start to build things, right? Because if yeah. we're in a destructive mode when we're in those <laughs> high pressure situations. Yeah, it is. We're, we're, we're kind of just wasteful. You can't play the game all the time. Yeah, <laughs> you exactly. Gotta, you gotta do the prep work and you gotta get your, bo your, your body, mind, spirit kind of ready for injury prevention, to be tough and resilient when things are hard. You have to do hard things on a regular basis to be able to do them when you have to, but you can't do them all the time. Like it's just not real. Like nobody, nobody functions that way. So I think the sooner leaders recognize the humanity, uh, you know, in their people and try to create that sort of, I don't want to call it balance. I mean, there's no real work-life balance. People are trying to work as little as possible, hopefully to live as much as possible in my mind. But you know, it's that, it's that, how do you just recognize people's humanity and give them a chance to thrive? Yeah, and I think that's an important callback here too, is that there is a lot of conversation right now about this um, and people wanting to protect their professional um, sphere from their from their work sphere. Uh, but what you're asking for and saying here, at least as I hear it, is not to say, hey, don't have a family. Hey, don't have interests outside of tech. Like, hey, if you like a certain sport or a certain activity or a certain hobby, I'm, what I'm hearing from you is absolutely have that. <laughs> But there are also going to be ways that you sort of go beyond, think mm -hmm. beyond and connect, find your personal passion in the things that you do. And you should be deliberately fostering that, not not okay. abandoning all things that do not align to the grand vision, I suppose, is is, is sort of what you're not yeah. what you're saying there. No, I think the I think the best leaders that I've ever worked for um, had really diverse sets of experiences, but they also had diverse interests outside of their job that made them interesting, dynamic humans to not only one interact with, like it's more fun to talk to somebody who has interesting hobbies and, and you know, knowledge and talents that you don't have that are maybe outside your, what you consider your normal sphere. That makes you just more interesting, whether it's a dinner conversation, it's a boardroom conversation, it's water cooler. You know, I think that's, again, we're, we're humans and I think interconnecting with each other and shared diverse vast experiences makes this place a whole lot more fun to be part of and you know i think one thing that's interesting here as we get closer to the end is this idea that uh maybe people are listening and they're saying you know corey sure it's easy to have passion when you're working for a, a cool company like spunk or working for a cool customer like mclaren that's not very hard to get up and be passionate about but you know in my industry, it's hard to get people passionate about what we do because, you know, X, Y, Z reasons. So I'm curious, like yeah. how you, you know, I'm sure in your life, you've maybe had opportunities to work with either customers or other leaders that, you know, haven't necessarily had the most obvious connection to their personal passions from their work passions. So I'm curious, mm -hmm. like how you would look at or suggest people help connect people to that passion if the connection isn't quite so obvious to their to their home life. Yeah, I think one is finding your personal interests and making sure that you can identify and connect your personal things that you find interesting or fulfilling um, in the mission of your work is, it's not always easy. Like, let's not, let's, I'm not going to sugarcoat that. Sometimes it's not as easy as, 
hey, you're into racing, <laughs> you're into data. That's a cool thing. Sometimes you have to put in the grind and sometimes you have to go get uncomfortable learning things. I think one of the most important probably responses to that sort of idea of I'm not in a place where I'm having a lot of fun. This is not easy for me to connect the fun. Then make it a place of growth. Like pick things that are going to grow you and grow the skills that will prepare you for the next thing, right? I think that's one of the most important is if it can't be pursued because of passion and it's easy and it's fun and it makes sense, then pursue it as this is an opportunity for me to grow a skill set, for me to grow a capability, to become more marketable, to become a more interesting member of a team. Use that as your passion project. Use that as your side hustle is, is a growth opportunity. It's like, you know, you made the comment before it's, you know, we can't always be, uh, you know, we're, we can't always play at game pace, right? We have to have these lulls. Well, we're not always going to have work that's like super fun. So sometimes when you're in one of those lulls where it's like, I'm not as excited as passionate, remember that like there will be an opportunity for you in the future. Are you doing the work today to prepare yourself for whatever that might be or what you want it to be, right? People talk a lot about manifesting. Well, it's like, if you're not doing things today to build skills and knowledge and capabilities in yourself that will allow you to do the thing that you want to do in the future, that's you've squandered that time. Like you've missed the opportunity in that lull of I'm not super passionate. I'm not super interested in what I'm doing. Make it about you. I like that. And, you know, there are some universal themes, right? If you're a coach in a locker room giving that talk, there's some universal themes you can apply to. Like even if the even if you're selling drain spouts or whatever it is, the idea is that like, maybe it's the underdog theme. Maybe it's we're the small plucky team and we have a key difference that these behemoths don't have. And you can get a team that's passionate about an underdog story and being an underdog. Yeah. And there are ways to apply and find passion, even at a meta level, I suppose, underneath the layers of what is obvious. Uh, yeah, for sure. Well, great. Well, listen, that that's getting us here pretty close to the end. Can you let people know where they can find you online if they'd like to connect with you or find out more? Yeah, absolutely. So I'm, I'm pretty active on LinkedIn. So just Corey Minton is the uh, the name, C-O-R-Y-M-I-N-T-O-N. I'm also on Twitter, Corey underscore Minton are the easiest ways to uh, to find me on social. And then I my, my social handles for fun, if you want to see some of my uh, personal uh, excitement, is I have a family of two kiddos and a lovely wife that we have traveled all over the country, uh, a lot of it for my work. And I've taken my kids to over 22 countries. They're 11 and nine years old. But this year we are uh, spending the winter in Utah skiing. My kids are on the Solitude Mountain Ski Team. And we are uh, social media ambassadors for Solitude Mountain. So we'll be posting lots of awesome pictures from uh, from Solitude and different ski resorts around Utah this year. So that's at go with daddy on Instagram, because if daddy has to travel for work, why not go with him? <laughs> that's a really cool idea. All right. Well, that's going to be it for us today. Thank you so much to Corey for being our guest. And thank you to each of you for being here to listen. Hope to see you all next time. As we close out, we would like to thank our sponsor, This.Labs, one last time, who would like us to remind you that, if, uh, that to approach your most pressing tech challenges with confidence, you can leverage This.Labs' tailored development strategies. Trusted by industry giants like Meta, Google, and T-Mobile, they specialize in bridging business and technology gaps, modernizing legacy systems, and ensuring sustainable application architecture. Discover how This.Labs can empower your organization at This.Co. One more time, that's T-H-I-S-D-O-T dot C-O. Thanks, everybody. See you next time.